Hello everyone, this is Sarisha and I host the Women, Career and Life podcast. Just like you, I've traversed varied paths, stumbled a little, picked myself up and learned a great deal on my journey. Many of us face similar questions, but we don't always get to have a conversation with our friends or peers. In this podcast, you will hear real stories that you can connect with on the challenges of navigating career and life. You must be wondering who I am. In my everyday life, I'm a career woman, a mom, and an avid reader. I'm also a road tripper, amateur gardener, and even a fashionista on some days. Join me and my guests as we have an open and honest discussion on career change, trade-offs, and working across boundaries. You get the idea. It's a perspective you simply may not hear anywhere else. Welcome to today's podcast. We're continuing our series on Let's Talk About Money. And I have some really good friends, Angel and Stephen Thomas, joining us. Stephen is an independent consultant, and he will talk more about what he does. And Angel works in the high-tech industry as an engineer. They're both parents of two lovely young children. And we are going to walk through their journey from when they started college all the way to where they are now in their life. I met Angel and Stephen when I started my first job. So we've known each other a long time and had financial discussions over the course of years. And I think it is a good perspective to hear on some of the decisions they made early on as they graduated college. So Angel and Stephen, welcome. Thank you for being here on the podcast today. And thank you. Angel, why don't you give some background about yourself and uh, what you do today and how you got where you were? So my name is Angel Thomas, and I'm originally from a small town in Iowa. I went to college at the University of Iowa, and I majored in chemical engineering. I got my bachelor's degree, and then from there, I had done an internship down in Texas, in Texarkana, Texas, for a paper mill, and so I went there for my first job. And after two years, I moved from the paper industry over to the semiconductor industry, and I'm now working for NXP in Austin as a yield enhancement engineer. That's where we met at first in the semiconductor industry. Steven, what do you do? I know you're an independent consultant. You've actually almost always worked for yourself. Well, from Iowa as well, but from a bigger town and also at to the University of Iowa, I also have a chemical engineering degree. I only used my degree for about a year after school and then decided that I really liked programming and computers more than chemistry. So I switched gears from that into computer work. I ended up getting a job with one of the big five at the time consulting firms, spent a couple of years there and then decided that I could work for myself. The contracting for firm was just the, the big five doom. So I, for 14, 15 years now, I've been working for myself as an independent contractor. Ironically, most about 10 of those years, I contracted back to the same big five firm that I quit from. So it was unique to be right back with the same people I was just working with, like quite literally just making more money. And I've been doing that ever since and don't plan to uh, ever go back to a full-time job. Your entrepreneurship, your independence is not something new. Can you go back to when you used to trade figurine? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started back in ninth grade and I was going to a school dance and I needed money. So I was doing a garage sale at my house and I found these baseball cards in my house. So I put these baseball cards out for sale and found that people would pay money for these baseball cards. Now I knew nothing about sports. I don't follow sports at all. I knew nothing about baseball, but I, I very quickly learned what pieces of cardboard people would pay more money for than others. I sprung load that into a whole grown business. I had uh, other people, other friends doing shows for me. I would do sometimes seven shows on a weekend. 
card shows. Baseball card shows, setting up, selling baseball cards. But that started to slow down. So in college, I shifted from baseball cards to Star Wars toys. So I was huge into Star Wars toys. Again, not really a... I love the movies, of course, but I was more into understanding what the market factors were, what somebody would pay more money for, again, and run ads, buy people's collections, sold the toys. So I had first quit my engineering job and did it full-time for about a year and a half uh, before I got into the Big Five Consulting. It, it helped me get into the Big Five Consulting, doing all the computer stuff, because I was online. This was, you know, 22 years ago, online wasn't as, as big or as simple as it is now, but I found that kind of thought, in my life that I didn't want to be a toy salesman my whole life. So I was very fortunate to uh, sell my business and I paid off hundred percent of my debt, which had been a lot. I actually had accrued to run this business. I paid off all my debt from that. Then I started consulting and I haven't looked back. That is fascinating considering you studied market conditions and you were a teenager at that point. I'd shifted to hockey away from baseball because there was no competition. So I'd do a show. I'd be the only one with, you know, Wayne Gretzky card. So. I totally shifted into that market and, uh, he dabbled a little bit in Beanie Baby too. Yeah. (laughs) Beanie Baby. I would meet people in a mall parking lot and pay them $1,800 cash for seven Beanie Babies. And then I'd have them sold within three days for usually double it. My gosh. Yeah. You hear about it now. I guess there is no market for Beanie Babies, but I cannot believe $1,800 was. And this was 22 years ago. $1,800 was a lot more than, than that. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, and he did a show one time, went in Florida, and we drove there to you all full of his Star Wars toys, and he made like $10,000. At my peak, I had seven people working for me, and we'd ship about 100 orders a day. So you did internet business before there was the Amazon and all of that, and did it help you pay for your college? It didn't help me pay for my college, probably quite the opposite. I got my loans and money from my parents to help pay for the college and I used all my free money to invest back in the business. So at the end of of the day, I had a pretty substantial amount of inventory, six figures worth of inventory. Again, but driven by six figures worth of debt. I was, again, was very fortunate to be able to sell it. I basically paid off everything to the penny, but I pulled some money out over the years while I was working. So I I paid myself and I had a lot of fun, learned a lot of life lessons. Did you go on your first dance? What did you you do with your first paycheck? I I did. No, I didn't. And she got lobster tail. So it's a good (laughs) thing I sold a bunch of baseball cards to pay for it. I still remember it was like $47 at the time, which again was a lot back then. (laughs) Good memories. And I I think more than anything, it taught you to time the market, all the skills, what sold, what did not go through the whole learning process. Other than a very short stint in the corporate world, you've always been an independent consultant. And then that girl I took to the dance was Angel's friend. <laughs> <laughs> but we just not talking to her. And that's how we met. So nice. Yeah. Angel, what about you? What was your first job? My first job was really back in high school. I didn't do very much. I concentrated more in studying. And, uh, but I did a few days of detasseling corn. That wasn't fun. I'd work as a waitress at a restaurant. And that only lasted a few weeks because that wasn't for me either. I was terrible at that job. My best job, I had to call people when I was in college and do cigarette surveys. That was fun. Uh, I did great at that. I worked for the professors in college, like making copies out of books. I would go to seven different libraries and find publications and make photocopies. I did a little bit of research too. And what did you do with your first paycheck? Went to Sandy. Yeah. No, so one thing we did, so Stephen and I were both pretty broke when college ended because I grew up with no money and I did get tons of scholarships to pay for my college. 
So my senior year of high school, I spent like almost all my time applying for scholarships. I ended up getting 10 different scholarships. They paid for my college fully. But when I finished, um, Steven was like, let's get a credit card. And he's a high risk guy. And he's let's go travel because we'll never get a chance to travel again. So we actually traveled for three weeks to Europe um, before we actually started our job. We both went to the same paper mill for our first job in Texarkana, Texas. And then during college, we met with these financial advisors and they came to our chemical engineering seminar and they told us that anyone that wants could come see them for six free sessions. So during college, we actually went and met them for six free sessions and they basically set us up with a savings plan. So it included a lot of different parts and one part was investments. So our very first paychecks, 10 or 15% of it was went straight to um, an investment. So that was really good to start off from our first paycheck with mutual fund investing. And then we also had some insurance plans and then our 401k with through the company that we worked. So we never knew what it was like to have a full paycheck. So it was already like a smaller paycheck to start with. And we did fine with that because we didn't ever know anything different. You guys started really early and that's what's great about your story, right? You had your department come in, you took advantage of the six sessions and you obviously set your plan way before most people even see the money. So as you said, you started from zero and had it all locked in. And what I really appreciated is, which I think is great is all those scholarships you got for college because I remember you saying this very clearly and I, I tell the story to other people. Even if it was a hundred dollars scholarship, it's a hundred dollars I didn't have to earn pay for or pay interest on. So, you know, that every little amount counts because we're always looking for that big $30,000 and $10,000. It's great if you get those, but they're not easy to come by. I got really lucky. One of the scholarships I was actually the runner-up for, and they're giving away one scholarship in the state of Iowa for this one program. And the person who, who was in first place actually went to MIT. So he didn't use the scholarship business for an in-state Iowa school. And so I was the runner up and so I ended up getting to get that scholarship and it was a whole four-year tuition scholarship. So that alone was great. And then I had other scholarships in addition that helped paying my room and board because my mom didn't fund any of my college. So it was just myself. I did take out one student loan and that was to buy a car so I could get to Texas for my internship. I got really lucky with the scholarships for sure. Yeah, I had no scholarships. I uh wasn't as good a student. But I also applied for a lot. I applied for, I went through those big books that you've seen. And I was like searching, which ones can I apply for? Apply for Tylenol or Bingo Halls. I had to apply for all different sorts of scholarships. I, I got quite a few, but a lot of other kids that I knew were applying for all the scholarships. Spent a lot of time at it, but it paid out. You have two young kids. Is it something you're going to make them do as well? Oh yeah. They're going to be applying for scholarship. We have an eight-year-old daughter and then we have an 11-year-old son and he has some special needs. He has a rare genetic syndrome. So he might not go to college, but because of that, we are preparing for his future. You said they offered six free sessions. So going back to that, few of your friends took advantage of it. They were very smart. They targeted MIS majors, which is a higher degree of business major. They targeted engineers. They, they targeted the groups where you make a lot of money. And uh, so they came in and we have four or five of us that we know of in our class, did it? Yeah, a few of us, but not everyone. Got it. Not everyone took advantage. It was a good sales uh, and marketing for them. They got, I think everyone we know ended up buying stuff, but starting following their plan of action, right? Yes, you probably did have to pay for some services, but I think to your point, it set you up right off the bat. You never saw your paycheck. You're doing well. You still got your travel in. Yep. Continue to travel. 
And we made sure our Europe trip was paid off and a couple months in our first job. So we made sure to pay that off right away. And that was probably the last time we carried a balance on our credit cards. So we put everything in our credit cards just because we uh, like to earn points and miles and all of that. Steven's quite the <laughs> travel pro when it comes to points and miles and and different rewards you can earn. So we definitely utilize our credit cards very heavily. However, we pay them off every month. But, yeah. but back then, because we wanted to travel before our first career, we definitely put on our credit card and paid it off right away. Do you have conversations with your kids about money? I know they're young. Not, not really yet. It's, they, they don't have a concept of what a dollar is really worth yet, but we do talk about it. Today, Nita came with a whole piece of paper. She's mom, write down the chores. I'm going to write down how much money you have to pay me if I do these. Her amount was a little steep. She yeah. wrote down a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay her any of that, but they're starting to learn. We did just open bank accounts for them. There's a local bank. And if you uh, open a bank account and put a little bit in and give you a hundred dollars extra for a bonus for kids. So we're like, take a hundred of your dollars and put it in there. So they already have that. Um, and we did set Needin up with plan, 529 plan probably a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. So we're investing a little bit in that for her. But we are going to tell her she has to pay for her own college. And that way she works hard and she applies for scholarships too and tries to do well on her own. And But we'll still help her. We just don't want to tell her up front. That's a good move. Why not teenagers in high school getting ready for college? That's exactly the thing. You still have to do your part. We'll support some of it. You both started together when you were in your first job are your money outlook similar or different initially i was in a lot of debt and i was financing my business so it wasn't like i bought goods like i had an asset to back it up as long as somebody would buy that asset so we were very different then and probably after i sold the business our, our thinking aligned pretty well i got lucky that i didn't marry a spender so angel has the means to buy a, a Rolex watch, if she wanted it, and she doesn't. She might have got one as a birthday for a gift, but like she get a poor, super ultra luxury thing, and we choose to save that instead. Don't buy, you know, new clothes. I don't have the expensive purses and things. I could, but I don't. But it, at the same time, anything we need, we're just Amazon, and here it is the next day. So we definitely take advantage of what we've saved over the years, and that will still use coupons too. We try to, and we look for good deals on things. So if something is expensive, but it's a good deal for it, then we'll purchase it. But like one thing with cars, we'll keep our cars for at least 10 years or longer until we feel like maybe they're not as uh, reliable and then we'll buy a new car. But now we're planning at the point where we can pay cash if we want to for, for a car, which is a great thing to be in our life. The guy almost fell out of his chair when we said we were paying cash because the, the main reason we had to at the time, it's like, it's 0% financing. Is we were building this house and we couldn't have that show up on our credit report. So that was the main factor. And he still just didn't understand it. So you've been very thoughtful going to all the transitions. But he's definitely um, much riskier than what I am. So he'll play with the stocks a little bit. And he started playing with the cryptocurrency. Actually. Yeah, four or five years ago. Yeah, before it was really popular. I dabbled a little bit in it and he's dabbled a lot more than I have. But in general, we're, we're pretty similar spending wise. We've actually have our own separate account. So one person will pay the mortgage, the other person helps pay on the other bills. You know, if the person paying the mortgage needs more money, then we transfer over to their bank account. We did have to get a joint account one year, a few years back, because the IRS was issuing like tax refunds and it happened to be made out in both of our names mm -hmm. and neither of our banks had cash in. So we had to get a joint account. 
So we do have one joint account, but we're still pretty separate. We trust each other and now we're pretty similar with our spending and savings. I'm glad you brought up the two separate accounts because that's last time we talked, we were talking about that. So what are some of the decisions when you made them? What have been some easy ones and what have been some challenging ones that you thought, oh, I maybe you made a mistake on it and that you would have done differently for someone who's going through and learning that process now? I think some of the things that we would have done different or made different decisions is maybe how we spent our money on real estate. We sold all our houses to buy the next house, which we always had to do. We just, just financially, we couldn't afford it. But a lot of people have rental homes and rental income. And I think we were never positioned with decisions, whether we buy this rental house or not, but we should have put ourselves in that situation. I think I would have been happier if we'd have looked back and had three rental houses, even if we didn't have selection retirement because it is a good long-term investment in general. For sure. I wish you would have done some real estate and especially with right now, the way the market is, <laughs> it makes you really look back. And um, we've had two houses just within five houses of a sell today. And looking at the prices they sold for today, we're like, ah, why don't we have five more houses right now? Because the market is so, the prices are so crazy. And, and yeah, I wish we had some um, other houses that we could be selling right now or condos somewhere. But at the same time, uh, that it's hard for for him. He'd probably do that easily. For me, I want to do it, but to take our own house and rent it to someone would be tough on me because I'm too OCD and it's personal to me. And seeing someone else living in my house and maybe destroying the carpet or not taking care of something the way that I would take care of it would be very stressful for me. And also just having to deal with, we're not very good with maintenance on homes or doing all the managing. So I'm having to hire a management company in that. I wish we would have done more real estate for sure. But I'm happy the way we started saving from, you know, day one for our first paycheck, we've done a lot of ESPP, the employee stock purchase plans with our companies, and then 401k with all of our companies. We've been doing some traditional converting to the Roth IRA for savings. So we have a lot of savings in our for retirement. So we're very well set for that. And we've also done a lot of insurance purchases to protect um, what we have. So we have an insurance plan that when we retire, we can actually pull out of it. So we'll have a monthly income from it. But then when we actually pass away, there will be a full insurance policy, a full life instead of just a term insurance. So it's nice to have that already set. We do have term as well. That term gets very expensive as you get older. So we have a term policy right now to a certain age, but we have plenty of insurance for our kids for when we die someday. We started that and ran out of college now and that those policies will be fully paid up here soon. So we don't have to pay on that anymore and that'll just be set in place, which is really nice. So many different moves. You've talked about insurance. You've talked about your retirement, your 401ks, IRAs, ESPP, all the benefits that we all encounter. Talked about rental. We rented our old place. We did it for a short time. It is quite hard. It is not as easy as it sounds because to your point, it was very personal for us because it was our house and we had a tough time with it. So we actually sold the place because we couldn't manage it for the same reasons. <laughs> Just emotionally tied to the house. And I know it's having rentals is, is a way of investment. And obviously it's a great investment, but I think there's a personal touch to it. So it may not be everyone's cup of tea. I had some friends who had tenants that would take a hammer to a bathtub and smash it to pieces. They had completely demolished some rental homes. And so it was really tough on them to have to go and fix all that stuff up and they lost money. So I can definitely see both sides for sure. And I do wish we did that. 
it is a source of income and investment for the long run. And the pros and cons and how your style fits with how to manage it and whether it's your personally managing it, management company, and you're aware of it and walk in with eyes open, then it's really good. Vacation condo might have been a nice way for us to go having a management company and just a condo instead of a freestanding house might have been something easier that we couldn't still try in the future. We have two timeshares. Again, very researched and bought very strategically. One of our timeshares we bought in Thailand. Yeah. And the reason is because the maintenance fees of Thailand are very low and we could still use it for a week at a Marriott anywhere. So why not buy where the price is low and the maintenance fees are low instead of buying like on Hawaii, where we can still trade our week from Thailand for a week in Hawaii. We're actually going to go again here uh, shortly. And we went used like three weeks last year, so last year, and went to Hawaii. So we've been really fortunate to be able to trade our timeshare. And we also have a week we own in Scottsdale. And again, we've never been back there. But we just traded for other locations. So we really uh, enjoyed in the way we bought them. We saved a lot of money from yeah. our timeshares for sure. But a lot of people don't yeah. buy correctly. At least I would say correctly. And they end up losing a lot of money. Yeah. Timeshares aren't for everybody. Not advocating a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. If you know how to do it. And most, I would say 90% of people probably are not using their timeshares correctly. Yeah. We paid very little amount for our timeshares and we made sure that the maintenance fees where we got them at are, are relatively low. So you travel a lot. Obviously, a lot of travel is also determined between your airline miles, your credit card points, your hotel stays, Stevens travel business points, and now your timeshare. Correct. Yeah. You've optimized it. I think the key Keep coming back to that word. You have planned everything very precisely. Oh, yeah. To make the most out of it and been very thoughtful. Obviously, you've done a ton of research. You're telling people to do their research and see what's right for them. In today's episode, you got to hear Angel and Steven's story, right from when they started college to where they are today and how they manage their finances as a couple in the short term and the long term. Tune in to part two of their interview as we deep dive into some of their other financial decisions and how they've set themselves up for the future. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tune in every other Wednesday to catch the next episode. If you think a friend may benefit from this, please share this podcast with them. Please like, subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. All the resources we talked about are also available on my website, womencareerandlife.com. I would love to hear from you about your stories and your journey. You can reach me on my blog, Twitter, Instagram, or Gmail at Women, Career, and Life. Until next time, this is Sarisha signing off. Remember, there are infinite possibilities to drive change in career and life. Which will you choose to make a reality today?